Welcome into the Invest Well Show. I'm your host, Michael Wall. Today, I want to talk on the show about this fact. Is the U.S. in recession? You know, there's a lot of conversation out there. A lot of people are struggling. We're paying more at the pump. We're paying more in groceries. We're paying more for a lot of things. We realize that. But are we in a recession? And by the way, what are some of the things that we're seeing as far as new jobs and the debt on the system, the overall markets? What should we be looking out for? How can we protect ourselves? All unpacked today on the Invest Well Show. All right, so let's jump into it. So I was looking at some statistics here. I'm going to pull some things up here. We'll, we'll show you some on screen. It's so interesting to me when you take a look at what's happening, right? I think we all know we've been through some challenging times, and there's been some surveys. This is from Reuters, uh, where it says if you're looking at this uh, report, talking about new jobs here uh, as an example, for signs that we're already in a recession, you're likely to come up blank said Nick Bunker. Now, what's interesting was when you look at the report, it talked about all of the different jobs uh, that have been added to the system over the course of the last six months, year, year and a half, a couple hundred thousand jobs uh, that have been added month over month. Now, what's interesting is this. Um, when we take a look at this as an example, there was non-farm uh, payroll increase by 372,000 jobs last month. This would have been this would have been June of 2022. Uh, it's the fourth straight month of job gain in excess of 350,000 uh, and and left employment 524,000 jobs. It's pre-pandemic level. So when you think about all that unpacked, what does that mean? Let's simplify this. This is my perspective, but I think it's reality, and I think we can all kind of agree with this. So there's a lot of things that happened that went through and happened and occurred when we went through the pandemic. Obviously, people lost their jobs. Companies shut down. Uh, I mean, 25% of restaurants in the country, you may not have been aware of this, actually closed their doors. So there's a lot of things that occurred. Now, we can forget a lot of these things and just kind of focus on the present. But this is actually what happened in the past. And so if we ask ourselves the question, are these new jobs real? Is this real economic growth? I think a lot of us are, are saying, wait a minute, you can paint and color the numbers, you know, paint it in uh, paint by number as much as you want. But at the end of the day, the jobs in a lot of ways are, I believe, a, a result of now businesses opening back up. It's, it's taking delays for obviously certain states to open back up. And now, in a lot of ways, many states and even countries in the world are, are open and open for business and doing their thing. Interesting fact, by the way, uh, Florida itself, where we live now, obviously has had a significant surplus under the um, kind of oversight of, of Ron DeSantis, Governor DeSantis. So done a great job there. But overall, economically, as a country, it's taken some time. There's been tolls. If you remember with all of the riots that went on, the BLM riots and all of these other things in streets, I know people don't want to talk about that because it feels politi political, but the reality of it is there was real devastation that was had. There was billions and billions of dollars worth of businesses that were damaged, uh, businesses that were shut down, all over the country in different cities. This also had an effect. Obviously, if your business has been destroyed or looted or burned, you can't go to work. So when you look at all of these factors and you look at the fact that, yes, we do have some jobs happening, the reality of it is, is this real growth? And I believe we're in a place where maybe it not be, it may not be as real as what it's being uh, led to believe. The overall markets, the S&P, as I'm shooting this June 26, is still down. It's down about 17%. 
Uh, the S&P is anyways year-to-date as, as of July 26th here this morning. And when we take a look at that overall, people are feeling the pain. You're feeling the pain. 401ks, 403bs, profit sharing, deferred comp, your investment accounts. If all you are is invested in the market, you felt the pain. I want to bring up a couple things that I think we need to discuss here as far as topics of awareness and be paying attention to. And this has a lot to do. I want to bring this up because this has a lot to do with what you should do now, what your financial outlook should be now when you look at your own wealth. When you look at investing your money, you look at where you put your money and what you should do. I think there's some things and some factors that we have to think about. And before I share this information, it's actually going to be about China and some of their municipal debts and uh, 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 provincial debts. One of the things that I want to talk about is the fact that we live, and you know this, but we live in a global environment. We live in a global economic environment. When something happens in a massive way in China or other countries, it affects markets. Now, many of you might be too young to realize this. Some of you are old enough to remember the fact that years ago, back in 2010, 2005, 2000 for sure, maybe even in the 90s, we were in a place where um, America was kind of its own island in a lot of ways. Even though there may be economic turmoil throughout the globe, we kind of did our own thing. We still had a lot of manufacturing here. We produced a lot of products here. We, 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 we drilled for our own oil here. We were economically independent in a lot of ways. Well, over the course of years, that has changed in a lot of ways. It's changed to outsource this and outsource that. Now, obviously, uh, during the 2016 to 2020 years, there was a lot of conversation around bringing that back to America, which I think is a positive thing for our country long term. Because I think that's a little side note. We become a people that has raised a generation that literally doesn't produce much and doesn't know how to do much. You know, if the toilet breaks, most kids today don't know how to fix their toilet. They don't know how to change an outlet. They don't know how to, some of them don't even know how to change a light bulb. Now, I know that sounds crazy, and it's not a, it's not a stone throw. It's the reality. By the way, a little side note is parents are like, time out. If you want your child to be successful, teach them how to do practical things. All right, let's jump back on, on point here with China. Let's talk about this. There's a little report that I was, re- uh, I was reading here uh, by, uh, I'm, I'm going to maybe butcher the name, but help me with this. It's uh, Nomura, uh, China Chief Economics Economist, I'm sorry, is this called Lu Ting. All right, so that's his name. Lu Ting is his name. Here's what he says. China's local, provincial, and municipal debts, including hidden debts, are estimated at probably $7 trillion in U.S. dollars. Now, I want you to think about this. So China's local, provincial, and municipal debts are estimated. Now, this is uh, from Lu Ting, an, an economist in China, are estimated at $7 trillion in U.S. dollars. Now, to put that into context, China's uh, official reserves is $3.2 trillion. So this debt that they have, uh, hidden debts and, 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 and debts that you see, is estimated at, at twice the size of China's actual reserves. I know there's a lot of conversation in the world and the globe today as far as the reserve currency changing from the U.S. dollar to uh, other things, and that may have... Uh, so, some some momentum along the way. But right now, a big factor that we got to say is what happens if China has serious problems with their debts? Now, one of the things that's that's kind of um, metastasized this 
and, and caused this to grow even quicker in a lot of ways is the fact that China has kind of had a zero COVID policy for some time now, meaning they've been shut down. You've heard reports, you've seen things of them literally being shut down, which what does that do? Well, that shuts down the economic engine of the country. And that's why you're seeing also a lot of uh, organizations and manufacturers and things like that saying we are going to move where we manufacture our plants from China to other countries. Now, you might say, well, Mike, what does that have to do with us here in the United States? Well, you may not know this, but the GDP of the U.S. is mid-20 trillion uh, uh, annually. That's a big number. China is number two at just beneath 20, a couple trillion below 20 annually. So they are a big player in the world. The, the third person is way behind that. The third country is way behind that. So when you look at these things, you have to say, okay, if, if China ends up defaulting on their debt, what does that do economically on the global perspective? And if China is currently producing a lot of the goods and services and, and consumer products that we buy today, what does that do overall? This is a big, big deal. We've heard reports of China obviously buying uh, uh, gas and things like that and oil from from Russia. Uh, we've also gotten reports that, you know, China is now spending billions of dollars on their own infrastructure uh, in relation to mining and things like that because they know they need fossil fuels for energy. Uh, so when you look at all of these things, this is important. All around the same time that natural gas and oil in a lot of ways have hit kind of all-time highs. And you are feeling at the pump. You're feeling it um, you know, as you're, as you're getting ready to move into the wintertime, if you're up north or you're, uh, you're in the west and you have an uh, oil tank, right, and they come fill up your oil, you're going to feel that cost. So the question is, what does that actually mean? All of these cultivating things, we look at natural gas, we look at labor markets, we look at China's debts, we look at uh, within labor markets and, and niche down and we say, what's happened with the jobs, what's actually, actually happening, are we in recession or not? Here's my suggestion to you in relation to your investments. I think one of the things that I've learned over the last 20 plus years of being in business is you have to make good decisions and you cannot make emotional decisions. I think where a lot of people get themselves in trouble is when they start making emotional decisions because now you're tied to that decision. Let me give you an example. Let's say you're in a place where uh, you've inherited some stock from your father or grandfather and they had a bunch of shares of whatever company. And you're like, well, I really don't want to sell that because it was inherited. I was an inherited this or I inherited this. I'm sorry, by by and from my, my grandfather. Well, the reality of it is, you know, they invested money. So that way you could be in a situation financially where you had a better economic outlook. That's why they did it. Now, they have, may have picked a company that they felt was strong in the season, but they did it so financially you could have a better economic outlook. It would be like there's too many people that are looking at investments that maybe they are endeared to emotionally, uh, like a picture that they got from their grandfather that no longer is living. That's not how you look at investments. And when you look at your own investments today, you cannot emotionally get attached. You need to understand a couple things. Number one, what is the risk reward? Number two, how long do I need to be in this investment for it to produce and perform? And number three, what is the purpose of this investment? Is it to have safe growth? Uh, is it to have uh, unsafe growth? Growth, obviously, with elements of risk, talking about risk reward. Is it to produce income? Is the goal of this investment to produce income? And, um, you know, what does that all look like? And then number four, what are the tax ramifications 
on my investments? What are the tax ramifications on the investments that I have purchased? How do they intertwine one with another? How do they work together and blend well together? You know, over the years of looking at portfolios and, and clients uh, that, that were um, in other organizations with other advisors uh, over the years, one of the things that I've seen is a lot of over-concentration because it feels good in the portfolio to say, I own this and this and this and this and this and this, but there really there's over-concentration. And so you want to make sure that you are um, having non-correlation from key factors of markets when markets are negative, but yet giving yourself ample opportunity to make money as markets go up. And remember this, I love this thought, and this is very important. Money doesn't go away, it just moves. The key is understanding where is money moving and how does this apply and affect my investments directly. I'm just going to challenge you because I believe as we land the, the plane and, and kind of close this show out, I really believe that it's important for you economically, especially if you've accumulated some wealth. You've got a couple million dollars or more sitting around where you're investing. You're saying, I'm not sure what's going to happen. What's going to happen in the markets over the next six months, year? Well, you've worked a long time for what you have. You need to make sure that you understand those four things that I brought out just a minute ago on the show. If you're watching this on YouTube, press pause, rewind, and watch those four things. If you're listening via podcast, press pause, rewind, and listen to those four things. Because if you don't know, just have a little truth-telling time with yourself. If you don't know what the reasons are, or you don't know the answers to those questions that I asked you about the investments that you have currently, that's a problem. Think of it like this. That would be like going to a doctor and saying, I need help medically uh, because I have a brain tumor. And you go to a doctor that you know is a doctor, but you don't know the doctor's specialty. You don't actually know what they do. You don't know what they focus on. You just know that they're a doctor. It'd be like having investments and saying, well, I know I have investments, but I'm not really sure what they're supposed to do. I'm not really sure what the focus of it is. I don't really know if, if they're really the best um, income-designed investment. I don't really know if they're the most tax-advantageous investment. I don't really know if I'm over-concentrated in markets and things. I don't really know if I'm in a situation where I, I'm not taking advantage of some opportunity that exists. I hope this is making sense because the goal is to kind of stop the deer in the headlights and actually take actionable steps to fix and improve your overall situation. That is the goal here. But change doesn't happen unless change happens. We've talked about that before. So don't forget that. Take the actionable steps you need. They're sponsors for our show. You can find out U.S. Private Wealth, Wall Private Wealth. They've done a great job. I've led some of those companies wearing my other hats. We've got a great team there that have helped families protect, grow, and reduce taxes on their wealth. Maybe you already have another solution financially. I'm going to challenge you to sit down and dive deep. But if you don't, head over to leanonthewall.com and, and connect with the team. Get some questions answered. Have a Zoom meeting. Have a serious meeting about what is going on with your wealth. So that way you know you're making great decisions. Not perfect decisions. There is no perfection. But great decisions because you've sat down, you've thought through, you've gotten different insight to get you to where you actually want to go. All right, as always, my desire is to encourage you on the show. Listen, share this with someone that needs to hear it. There are a lot of people out there right now that are in turmoil. 
Friends that you've been texting about where are we going for dinner this weekend? Are we taking the boat out? Do you want to go take a hike? What's your grandkids doing? Is, this, is the game coming up this weekend? Are you coming over for dinner after church? I don't know what you're texting about, but you're texting people throughout your week. Share this show, whether watching on YouTube or podcast. And if you're watching on podcast, you're probably going to want to join us on YouTube as well because there's a lot of great things that we're putting on screen so you can see along the way. But share this with someone that needs to hear it, somebody that you care about. And as always, my desire more than anything else is to help and guide you to live on purpose so you can live with purpose. Be blessed. Be intentional. Talk to you next show. Keep in mind the information shared on this show is not to be considered investment advisory advice. For specific recommendations based on your situation, make sure you reach out to a professional, whether it be financial, accounting, tax, attorney, or whatever you may need to help you find the information necessary to make good decisions.